I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, on the week that our travel bubble opens up with Australia, our vaccine rollout has been branded shambolic and Australia's a failure. Has enough planning happened? Are we ready for the the challenges? And there's going to be hiccups, obviously. It is the biggest immunisation programme we've ever had to do. So, you know, given the events of the last week with the Grand Millennium worker, with the workers who aren't on the register, with the illustrative and approximate graph, which was based on no numbers at all. They're not really giving an impression that that they're on top of everything. Will we be ready for the mass vaccination in two months, or are there just too many cracks in the system? There is a lot of work to do between now and then. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can get that workforce up there. So New Zealand has secured 10 million doses of Pfizer's COVID vaccine, enough for every New Zealander to be vaccinated twice. And here's the plan. One million COVID-19 jabs by the end of June and a centralised system to monitor how many doses have been administered. Those are the government's latest vaccine promises. But what we've been promised and what we've got so far is confusing. Well, I'm actually shocked by this, and if it wasn't for Chris Bishop asking the question today and insisting on continuing to ask the question, we would not know about this. So I've got a question for the Minister uh, and the Prime Minister, and that is, when were they ever going to tell us? Today, New Zealand Herald political reporter Derek Ching on the growing pressure on the government over vaccination and testing hiccups in MIQ. But first, the logistical challenge of rolling out the vaccine to nearly 5 million people by the end of the year. Rowan Quinn is RNZ's health correspondent. The way our health system is set up is where the ministry is in charge of setting the policy and saying what needs to happen. But actually rolling it out is done by the district health boards and each one has got their own plan on how they're going to do the rollout and they have very different populations. Like, for example, um, counties Manuko, and they're actually working with all of the Auckland District Health Boards. They have a whole lot of border staff here. They've got the airport. They've got a lot of MIQ workers. The cities are kind of, I guess it's more obvious what their plan is. But what about these smaller places, like, for example, Gisborne? Yeah, well, it's interesting because in some ways you say, OK, they've got a lot fewer people to vaccinate. But on the other hand, a lot of these communities are really rural. And um, Tairawhiti DHB, which is where Gisborne is, uh, they've got a plan. They're sort of going to follow a similar model to what they did with testing when there was the community outbreak, you know, about a year ago in New Zealand. So what they are going to do is have these mobile vaccination clinics and they're planning to go to all these little towns all up around that kind of thumb of the east coast there, go to the little town, vaccinate the whole town in a day or two is their plan and then move on to the next one. Same with some of the rural communities to the west of Gisborne. So... That's really interesting to think. And, you know, people did turn out to get tested for COVID. Work is is underway to make sure that awareness is up before they do this and to address any anti-vax sentiment that might be there in the community because really it's, it's quite high stakes, I suppose. If you're turning up to this town on this one day, you want everybody on board because you want to, to get that done. What will happen when when the mass vaccination happens? I mean, will we be given a letter? Will we have a phone call? And where will we go? 
Well, there's a big IT system that's been worked on at the moment where we'll be able to go on if all goes to plan and book an appointment. Some people will get a letter. That's what's happening at the moment for most people. They're getting a letter or an email or notified that they need to come in for a vaccine because at the moment we're still in those targeted groups. You know, border workers are supposed to have been done by now, but we know that not all of them have been done. High-risk health workers, it's now getting into broader health workers now, um, community health workers, most DHBs are starting to roll out vaccines to them now. When it comes to the rest of us, some of us might get a letter, some of us might go online and book an appointment. There's also some more novel approaches being planned, some some big one-off vaccination sessions that um, Ashley Bloomfield talked about this week where they might be in places like a stadium, he mentioned, um, Eden Park. Super clinic. Yeah, just uh-huh. by way of an example where you might get ten or 20,000 people through in one day. You've also done sto- a story about drive-in vaccinations. Yes, and this is something that happens overseas. Some doctors say the McDonald's-type service will help make getting vaccinated as easy as possible for everyone. Just like, I guess, coming to get a drive through COVID test, you'd, you'd turn up in your car, someone would come and have a little chat with you. I'd expect that we ask everybody to hop out of the car, wind the windows down so we can see your windows work, open the doors, we need to know that the doors are working. Papakura GP Rawari Jansen is one of those leading the push. If you feel unwell, bump your horn. They'd observe you for 20 minutes. If anybody in your car is unwell, yell for help. If you've got two or three people sitting in a car together, we're able to kind of rely on them to be part of the safety mechanism. They're not the only safety mechanism. We have to have somebody there observing. Auckland's DHBs at least are thinking about this, but... They say it's also quite logistics heavy. Although the South Seas GP clinic in Ōtara, they're already running a vaccination clinic that'll eventually do about 1,000 people a day. They're saying that they could do drive-through clinics there. And all the people that are pushing this are saying it's about access. It's about making sure that there are as many ways for people to get the vaccine as easily as possible. And for some people, they prefer the privacy of being in their car. Yeah, just sit in your car and, yeah, get it done. A piece of cake. More convenient that way than waiting. It'll be easier, I suppose. Yeah, you can listen to your radio and fill the time. But already there is a lot of talk about the fact that the rollout so far has been slower than expected. Have we got enough people to do it? Well, that has been one of the big questions over the last couple of weeks, and we have had the CEO of County's Monaco DHB, Margie Upper, who is is one of the leaders of this group of Auckland DHBs. So that that's almost half the people in the country that need to get vaccinated are in Auckland. So she said that at the moment they only have half the number of vaccinators that they need. We have about 1,200 vaccinators now trained in the northern region, but we could easily uh, do with twice that number of vaccinators across the city. That would be a big game changer for us. Otherwise, we won't be able to scale up at the rate that we'd like. And one of the big hold-ups is getting these people called non-regulated vaccinators trained. If we are able to use other workforces with really good clinical supervision, um, that really changes the model for us. They might be people who are social workers or maybe they're med students or people who would be ideally suited to, to work with people coming in to get vaccinated but just don't actually know how to, to, to give a jab. We need those because we haven't got enough nurses alone to, to give these vaccines and there's a bit of a hold up because there needs to be a regulation change to allow them to be trained to give the vaccine. 
And Ashley Bloomfield has said, oh, yes, this, this is happening. But last week he said, oh, we actually haven't made the regulation change yet. Yes, Auckland DHB say that they urgently need those non-regulated workers. So now that the rules have been changed to allow them to give the vaccine, where are we at with getting that workforce um, working? Sure, uh, thanks for that. Uh, so, yes, we made the decision that we would uh, allow um, unregulated workforce, so particularly Kaiafina, to uh, be trained and then do the Pfizer module. So that work is underway both to change, it requires a, a regulation change. So Auckland's DHBs need at least another 1,200 vaccinators. They want a lot of them to be from this workforce. But, yeah, that's stalled at the moment. Doctors, do they know what's going on? Yeah, a lot of them are really annoyed and they're feeling like they're left out of the loop. And by doctors, I'm talking about GPs and community GPs. And they they feel like vaccination is their bread and butter, you know, they're doing it all the time. Every year they do all the a little flurry of flu jabs. They're doing all the childhood vaccinations all the time. And they feel like they haven't really been in the loop. At the moment, we're a bit unclear as to what role general practice will play. Um, we, we don't know what the expectations are within this, this vaccine rollout. In Auckland, for example, uh, there are uh, about 16 GP-based vaccination clinics that are planned but it's actually sort of that they're at quite big clinics and so the the criticism is more from those in little GP clinics and they're saying oh every day we've got people coming in and saying to us oh when can I get the vaccine or we've got vaccine hesitant people coming in and that you know we're talking them through it we're reassuring them we'd like to give them a vaccine on the spot you know but we can't do that yet it it is complicated because the Pfizer vaccine in a way, New Zealand's lucky to have it because it's actually the most successful of the, of the vaccines so far. But on the other hand, it's a little bit tricky because it has to be stored at those really super cold temperatures. So what the DHBs, some of them are saying, is that, well, it's hard to roll it out to all these little GP clinics because once you get it thawed out, you've got five days to use it. Now, in saying that, just last week, new advice has come through from Pfizer that you can actually store it for two weeks in a normal freezer temperature before it spoils. So I think that signals that it's going to be easier for GPs to get involved, those smaller GP clinics to get involved. And also uh, there's a meeting this week with with DHBs and the ministry to sort of clarify their role and see what it will be. But they reckon that they could do, you know, a small clinic could do 100 jabs a day even, you know. So that's all chipping away at this massive total. We've got to do 8 million doses in a year. So it's Mm. it's huge. It's like nothing we've ever had. And so some people are saying, well, well, these are just hiccups, but others are saying that it really shows cracks in the system. Yeah, and that's tricky to judge, isn't it? Because I guess... It shows that, on the one hand, like like we said, this is unprecedented. You know, there's never been a vaccination campaign like this in New Zealand. On the other hand, you look at our health system, and it is quite a fractured health system. You know, there's all these DHBs, and they're all doing things in a slightly different way. We had a really clunky old immunisation register, the, all the IT systems that kept track of who's been vaccinated and when. That was terrible, and that contributed to the problems with the measles epidemic here a couple of years ago. So suddenly they're having to scale up and build a whole new IT system for COVID to track who's been registered. In fact, the COVID immunisation register, which has been used right from the start, has been very 
uh, is very good and it's been well received by the people who are putting the data in. It's having functionality added all the time, including the fact that if someone is vaccinated, that person's GP is notified that they have been vaccinated automatically. The next upgrade of the border worker testing register, which is separate, which happens and goes live on Monday, will link up the data across the two, as the Minister said. So an additional function of the register will be to indicate the vaccination status of everyone who is on that register, if they have consented. And to date, just about everybody has consented for that information to be shared with their employer. That's another example, I guess, that if that was already up and running and in good shape, we wouldn't have, have to do all that stuff. And I think that is repeated across our health system. Does it all matter, do you think? Does it matter that we're not quite on target, given that there is no COVID in the community? Well, it's interesting because the Ministry of Health says they actually are on target, although it looks like their targets have changed <laughs> over time. But when we've got hundreds of thousands, thousands of vaccines yeah. here already, why aren't they just getting out into people's arms? So I think there is an argument that we are behind. We're in a, a lucky position here in New Zealand in that we don't have COVID widespread in our community. We don't have transmission for the most part. Um, we don't have people dying of COVID. So in other countries, they're just having to like get it out there, get it into everybody every which way. In New Zealand, we're able to take a more considered approach. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard to measure us against other countries. It's going to be interesting to see we're in June when that, that what they call the Tier 4, which is everybody in the community that isn't at risk for because of their age or their health conditions or where they work, um, really by then they want to have it up and running and cranking because there's half of the country to get through for that in, in that six months. Because the numbers basically didn't really add up. The Herald's Derek Cheng. So, you know, if we look at the number of doses that they want to deliver by the end of June, which is just over one million, um, and from the start of July, the general population were supposed to start lining up to get vaccinated, that would mean everyone else in groups one, two and three should have been vaccinated by then or at least had one dose. But that's, you know, there's more than a million people in there in mm. those groups. There's more like two million people. So they basically just had to explain that all the groups are in a constant state of flux and it's up to the DHBs to prioritise who they can get to. Sometimes they'll be out at a certain clinic and they'll, you know, people in group three will get the vaccinated, will get the vaccine as well as people in group one just because it's convenient. And then they also had to say, look, we're also on schedule and we're going to be rolling it out. So if you are in group three, you can expect to get the vaccine from the start of May, even if we haven't finished with group two or even group one. And so that you, was all a little bit confusing. Yeah, I'll say. And this was in the press conference last week when lots of questions had been raised about what was going on with the rollout and the targets and the data. So they'd released this grand plan about when people were going to get vaccinated in certain priority groups. And then just over a month ago, they released this graph. Chris Hipkin stood up at the podium in the Beehive Theatre and said, this graph that we've all provided you, which clearly shows when people are going to get vaccinated and, and, and how many we're going to be doing, roughly. And then immediately after that, everyone said, well, what are the numbers behind the graph? Because it just shows um, a very vague sort of, um, sort of line. And, you know, and up until then, we've been wondering... 
they've been telling us that we're doing very well and we're on sort of track. We're, we're pretty much on track. We're not falling behind. But then the graph comes out, and looking at the graph, we were miles behind. We were tens of thousands of vaccines per day behind where we were supposed to be. So everyone wanted to know what the numbers were behind the graph. It's all very well to stand at the podium and say we're doing very well. But, you know, if you want to be a, a transparent government sharing information so we can gauge actually how well you're doing, then, you know, no one really wants to rely on unverified government proclamations. So everyone asked for the numbers, and then the health minister said, well, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to OIA that. <laughs> so everyone OIA'd that. And that came back um, on Friday, although under questioning in the House, Chris Hipkins had already said that the graph was approximate and illustrative, and then the OAA came back on Friday and confirmed that there were actually no numbers behind the graph. So they just released this graph, which was just basically worthless. <laughs> and not only worthless, but deceptive, because actually if we looked at the numbers on the graph and the line on the graph, it showed us way behind schedule, like not even close to where we were supposed to be. So they weren't giving us the numbers so we could actually gauge how, how they were doing rather than them just saying, we're doing very well and trust us, we know what's going on. And then they weren't providing the data behind where we were in terms of those Group 1 high-risk workers and then Group 2, etc. So so we know now that they've told us that we're about 89% of MIQ workers, but then there are 15,000-some border workers beyond MIQ. That includes the port and the airports and the air crew and we know that these uh, some of those are high-risk workers because mm. we had last August the port engineer who caught COVID and then passed it on to co-workers. So we still don't really know how many among the wider border workers workforce we have vaccinated. And that data is meant to be available uh, at the Ministry of Health. They should be able to know that. And these questions from the gallery and, as you say, from health experts have been going on for a few weeks, but it seemed like last week was a particularly bad week in terms of the government scrambling to get the right information out as well as the revelation about the the security guard with COVID. Case B, who tested positive for COVID-19 in the past week, had his last recorded test six months ago. Does this show up big cracks in the system or are these just hiccups along the way? Well, we're not really sure about that yet because we still don't have um, the sort of data where we can judge that accurately, I think. The, the revelation about the Grand Millennium security guards really put the government under pressure because these were the people who were supposed to be first in queue to get vaccinated. Two of them had caught COVID-19 and neither of them were vaccinated. So then that really put the pressure on the government to release those numbers that the Prime Minister released on Monday. Uh, and then on Wednesday, they released the plans, the DHB planned vaccinations, what the DHB said that they could do up until the end of June. So that they finally released numbers where we could gauge our progress. But that took several weeks of questioning and the Grand Millennium security guard cases were sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back and the government decided that they needed to move on this. If you were going to sum up in terms of the vaccine rollout and everything around it, what would you say are the issues, the main issues or areas of concern along the way so far? Well, there has been a, a number of um, people asking whether we're rolling out as quickly as we should be. But a lot of the independent experts are pretty happy with the pace of the rollout. It's more um, getting everything in place to be able to ramp up 
from the end of June, start of July, when we will need to average sort of 40 to 50,000 vaccine doses administered every day in order to be able to reach the goal of vaccinating every eligible Kiwi who wants to be vaccinated. That is really the big challenge. And we've had issues with the vaccine rollout last year with the flu jab, the year before with the measles. Ashley Bloomfield's up there saying, yeah, I'm confident we've got it already, but we've had in the last week GPs saying we don't know what our role is yet. So it's more, there is certainly an impression that the government is sort of scrambling to make sure everything is in place when things, when issues prop up and they're being reactive, like the GPs came out last week and said, we don't know what's going on, we want to play our part. And then Bloomfield holds a press conference and says, well, I'm, I'm writing to the GPs this week to um, to help them out and give them a bit of clarity. So, you know, it's still very reactive. And the issue there is, has enough planning happened? Are we ready for the, the challenges? And there's going to be hiccups, obviously. It is the biggest immunisation program we've ever had to do. Two doses, five million people, or 4.4 million people, you know, depending on what happens with the age group between 12 and 16, which we don't know yet. So we do yeah. expect hiccups, but we do really want the ministry and the government to be on top of it as much as possible, to be prepared and planned as much as possible. And, you know, given the events of the last of the last week with the Grand Millennium worker, with the, with the workers who aren't on the register, um, with the illustrative and approximate graph, which was based on no numbers at all, you know, they're not really giving an impression that, that they're, that they're um, on top of everything. No. Uh, so, and, and National really got stuck in last week, didn't they? I mean, Judith Collins, Chris Bishop. Is their criticism reasonable, do you think? Is it fair that they should be raising some of these issues? So yeah, it's certainly valid for the for the opposition to be raising these issues. It's certainly valid for the media to be asking these questions. Obviously, politicians will grandstand when it suits them, but the ultimate goal is to hold the government to account. It's the same with the press gallery. We are trying to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, ultimately to make sure that the COVID response is as strong as it can be. And it clearly has been very strong. We have had all these liberties while the rest of the Western world has been in lockdown or in and out of lockdown. But that doesn't mean that it will continue to be that way. And everyone has a role to play in that, and, and certainly the opposition has a role to play in that. You know, all of that becomes really more important because today we're getting potentially thousands of travellers every day coming in from Australia, and they're not going into quarantine, which means all of our testing and our vaccination systems have to be as robust as possible. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. If you're using Apple, leave us a rating so others can find us too. Alexia Russell and Jesse Chang produced this episode. Flo Wilson engineered it. Thanks to Derek Cheng and Rowan Quinn. Mā te wā. 